Hello and welcome to Lady Time. Well, as you might have guessed already, your co-hosts, Jill McGregor and Carl Fitzpatrick, are trying something a little different this time. In today's show, they are the ones that's going to be answering the questions. I'm James Kirby, and I'm going to try at least to find out a little bit more about them and about the podcast that I know you guys probably really like and I really like. And I've been listening almost since the very first episode. So I'll introduce them both to you afresh and we'll have a chat about who they are and what they're trying to do with this podcast. And hopefully you'll find something out about uh, them and the show. Well, hello out there. How are you both? Are you well? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'll try to be to you as fair as possible. So we'll go alphabetically. We'll start with Carol. Hi, Carol. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, James. It's such a pleasure to be interviewed by you. <laughs> you don't know what it's like just yet. We've only started, but hopefully it's a pleasurable experience in the main. Now, tell me, you, uh, when did you appear on, for, for Lady Time listeners, it was going a while when you, when you arrived. When was that? So I think it was about this time last year. Um, am I right, Jill? I'm not sure if I'm right about this. I think it was late summer, yeah. early autumn. Of hours, a, a couple of hours, a couple of hours, a couple of months after it was around October, maybe. Okay. You, you interviewed me. I got you to interview me, and it was not long after that. Yes. So I interviewed Jill. Um, I was telling her how amazing her show was, and then she said, well, "I wonder would you interview me?" And I said, uh, "I'd love to." And then uh, shortly after that interview, Jill came back and asked me to join her, which was a huge privilege and honour. And I haven't looked back. It's nice, isn't it? It's coast to coast as well. Jill is coast to coast. Over the nation. And Jill, you st- now I'm just, do you know what I did uh, as part of my deep research for this exercise? Um, I went and I listened to the very first show, which turns out to be... Um, Oh, I had it written down. Where's it gone? And it was with a- Alvin, Avian. Even uh, McCann, Even McCann. And it was a year ago in August, actually. Right. So it's only a year ago. It's only a little over a year ago. Jeez, yeah. really, it really has propelled itself since you started. Did you have any, when you started it, what, what were you thinking? Um... Well, I, I, I think some of the listeners uh, that maybe have heard the other times that I've talked about it, but there's probably a few new ones at this stage. Um, I did a course with London Real. Uh, Brian Rose is the, the main podcaster on that. And uh, basically it was an eight week course last summer, which helped get through the first uh the first uh, year, uh, the first few months of last year, which was quite difficult. So it kept me very, very, very occupied for the eight weeks. And basically we had to microniche within a week. We had one week to decide on our microniche. And that's how I narrowed it down to menopause. And that's how I started it all, really. Uh, Begin with that end in mind did you have that in mind all the time was it did they actually did it steer you towards that subject did they no no that we just had to pick our subject and I had two or three in mind and uh, I just I did something I, I just sort of started with 
with that, with just menopause, because I remember going through it myself and not talking to anybody. And a lot of my friends like Carol's a good bit younger than me. And uh, I, I just didn't talk to anyone about it. There was no one to talk to. No one talked about it. And so I just had two books that I referred to all the way through it. And uh, really, that's that's where the idea sprung from, because I had thought a few years ago, wouldn't it be great to get a group together for women going through the menopause? And that's is that unusual, do you think? Is it or is it unique maybe to to where you are? No, and I'd I'd say Carol will will, will probably say the same. Um, And I won't speak for Carol, obviously, but I certainly found that it's across the world at least across the western world let's say um because you know there's other nations that i don't know how they handle it but certainly across the western world it's quite common not to discuss it that's what i found in doing the research for it as well right it's interesting i i carol i it's funny because uh you know as a male i don't know what women talk about when they get together right and I assumed, because you see all this, uh, oh, I have so much written text about menopause in mag- women's magazines, particularly. Uh, I, when I think of women's magazines, I think that's a subject that's always there. And I, so I naturally assumed that they did uh, talk to each other about it. Now, tell me, you, how, how did it come to pass, not just that you were uh, joined up with Jill, but the subject, that the subject matter interested you sufficiently that you could imagine it actually underpinning a a show on an ongoing basis or a conversation on an ongoing basis? Yeah, I think initially when I listened to Jill's show, um, I was thinking menopause, sure. I didn't really want to listen to that. But when I listened to the shows, they were amazing. They weren't really about menopause. They were about empowerment and they were about authentic stories of people's lives that didn't finish at 42 or 44. You know, I, I heard people, you know, get up and leave relationships. I heard people starting businesses. I heard, you know, complete turnaround in people's philosophy at that stage. And that's what interested me was people's stories. So I think you're right. People don't talk about menopause and women talk about everything. But as that's my experience, it's like a shame, you know, I can't. About that I don't want to talk about that that's too boring or that's too you know so it's actually nice to have a conversation with people in real time and really authentic and it's not all dreary and terrible and yes there are some terrible stories but not all stories terrible we've heard more uplifting stories yes you know yeah, the range of people that that you get on is really interesting mm. how, they, how they will talk about it um, yes and- and develop the issue so when Jill started then roughly just over a year ago and when did you come on board so yeah I think Jill was saying it was October so it was probably October um and mm. yeah so it's probably 11 months ago and I, I kind of wanted to do I did want to do a podcast but I had okay. when the pandemic came I had stopped my you know, initial trying to sort it out. I'd done a course on it. I I just came to a standstill. And then it seems like everybody had started a podcast when the pandemic came. And I thought, oh, 
Mm. I'm not doing it. It's not going to happen. And I just let it go. I just thought, okay, I was really busy with other things in my life. My mother-in-law became very ill and I was looking after her. So it just was a non-runner for me. So when Jill turned around and asked me to join her, I was like, perfect, perfect. Um, Yeah. You have a, your your professional work also is, is broadly in the area, certainly of care. Yes. And you're involved, you were telling me something very interesting, which is applicable all around the world. It's a job you could do all around the world, Carl, if you could go, if you could go around the world at the moment, but you can't. But if you could, <laughs> the, perfect, um, the perfect gig for, um, for a pandemic, it would seem to me, at least, you're involved. You actually, you, to, to explain what it is. Is, is it, I know you're a therapist, but specifically you're involved in, the, in care in the care of staff, is that it? Or yes, yes, employee wellness. But my job title is called COVID care manager. So I'm working on a TV series and um, there's up to 800 people and we are really managing COVID, you know, so people get tested, you know, sometimes we get tested five times a week just to make sure that the show keeps running. And um, then if, you know, it, people get COVID, there is, there are cases. So we get people off the set really quickly, then we get their close contacts. And then, you know, then my job is to really check in with people every day and see how they're doing. And there's often a dip, you know, people have symptoms. Sometimes people can be, you know, delighted to have 10 days off and they're not having symptoms and they're just going to watch Netflix and eat and drink. But then there's some people and they're, they're at home and they're on their own and they don't, you know, so there are other things in their life might be going awry, like somebody might have a relationship breaking down and then to have COVID and on their own for two weeks can be very difficult. So, yes, that's where I come in and uh, nice. uh, yeah. support them emotionally. I see. Yes. Well, I, I imagine this. It's as I say, I mean, it's really, really in demand and it's the same in every. And it's interesting because it's such a parallel experience all around the world. Uh, obviously, I haven't been uh, international since uh, since it broke here. I live in Melbourne, but uh, the, the the experiences be extremely similar to Melbourne or Dublin or wherever you have. I mean, I, I suppose it would be even worse in very large, very dense cities. Uh, it must be very difficult for people in that position. But you've managed through with this show. I think one thing that it's got. Uh, I, I, I'll just go back to you, Jill, but both come in any, as you like. The show's very up-tempo, it seems to me. I don't mean it in a flippant way, but it's very kind of positive. And I think the early guests were probably people who were very comfortable anyway and liked to talk. You got the impression that you could actually, you know, that they would have talked for many hours more if you, if you didn't stop them. But more recently, you're really getting all sorts of people in. And of course, you've brought in men Rourke we'll talk about him and him and those guys in a minute but you've you've you bring in this whole spectrum of people and it's very relaxed and it's it seems to me terribly um unaffected and you, it, whether you it's conscious or not you guys seem to steer away from any issues of controversy or uh, academic debates around women and menopause for instance don't seem to come up or debates that are in the news and it's much more people-based, human-based. Is that a fair assessment or does that just happen by accident so far? Um, 
Yeah, it is. And, you know, Jim, I never thought of it like that um, because basically when I'm interviewing, especially if I'm interviewing someone I know, a friend, but a lot of the people now we, we don't know um, or a few more people we, we don't know. They're completely strangers to us. Um, but I, oh, I love conversational podcasts myself. I love listening to conversational podcasts. And uh, eventually when I got over being uber nervous, you know, of doing the interviews, got over hearing the sound of my voice and all of that, I just realized that apart from structuring the conversation, I was just being me. I am always just being me on the interview. And uh, that's the way I wanted it to be for me anyway. And uh, so I never thought of it the way you just put it there now that um, was it done deliberately. Like apart from me wanting to be, when I interview anyway, conversational, that was it. I just wanted to start getting more relaxed into it and um it, it actually fires me up every time I get on on an on an interview so I just love conversation and I'm extremely curious uh about people and so it yeah. is pe people based I'm really curious about what makes people tick and and whys and wherefores in you know in their life and what's going on so sometimes I have to watch myself I don't go way off on on a tangent in an interview because I could just keep following a conversation for hours sometimes you know some of my interviews have gone on for a couple of hours and I've had to go and get Carol because I'm not very I, well, I'm not good at all at editing. I'm going, Carol, can you uh, split this one in two for me? <laughs> so, yeah. The listeners, the listeners like this, huh? The, the, the listeners have no problem with this, it seems. Uh, traditionally, with, with uh, voice media, radio or whatever, it's all very mm -hmm. stylized and clipped. And it was like before the traffic and before the news and coming up next. And it was all sort of rollicking along. And yours is entirely different, right? There's no sense of urgency at all. Uh, as you say, it's conversation. Is that going to be harder to do when you don't know the people at all? Yeah, it can be. It depends on the guests that you have. I mean, you just, mm. oh, I don't know if you find this in your podcast, James, but sometimes you just don't know how someone's going to be. And you can hop on a podcast interview and there can be great chemistry and you might never have met the person before and it's alive and you love chatting to them and they love chatting back to you. Or you could have somebody who's really experienced. It's so difficult. Yes. <laughs> it just feels difficult to talk or connect. And you're like, mm. what am I going to say next to this person? I don't know if they want to talk or not. So mm. it depends. But I do think, yeah. I think Jill and I are both very, uh, people-centric and conversation-centric we're, we're that's who we are as people and that's how the podcast is but there have been a couple of people who could have been controversial I suppose but because this is still a pretty new um pretty new podcast I think like even Jill's first guest she can be quite political but that didn't go political at all and uh, one yes. of my guests coming up may be quite political there was a woman called Kathy who was quite political about fashion. I don't know if you've heard her, 
but she was, yeah, she was preparing to go about uh, how the big brands do not use uh, models over 35. And the yes. way that they dress those models are very boring and they're sitting down, you know, that image of anybody over 35 being fit and healthy and beautiful is not projected in the media. So she was mm. political, but generally, yeah, it's been more fun and more about people's stories. Now, tell me about, we mentioned, um, briefly, we mentioned, uh, I think is a big thing for you guys. Maybe you don't, but I mean, I it, it struck me the idea was it was a very, very, very loosely based on links with menopause, and then you would talk with who you like, blah, blah, blah. And it went on uh, very successfully, and it, it sort of um, flourished, really, with this range of people you had on. And then to my entire surprise, um, Rourke popped up on the, when, when was he? I have him here somewhere, not that long ago. But that, that is a, if I was your, if I was your uh, editor, we just sat in the office and had a good long um, debate about whether you were gonna put a guy on the show or not. So did you debate it between yourselves? Tell me, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall there when that came up. <laughs> <laughs> so who um, wants to tackle that one? I can't remember. You'll do that one. <laughs> Was it me? Um, uh, you see, myself, uh, we haven't done it recently because summer got very busy for Carol and myself, and we'll probably start again. But every week, uh, we would just get together on Zoom and have have a chat as friends and as fellow podcasters as well. Um, and uh, we, yeah, we would just say, well, what about this and what about that? And uh, Carol want to do things, I want to do things. And I said, well, what about men? Like they are a part of the human race as well. They're the other half and, you know, uh, they, they go through midlife as well. They may not actually have a menopause, but they have, I think it's called an andropause anyway. So yeah, it just, it, it, we were just batting around ideas of what we'd like to do and that's where it came up. And mm. we're both we're both very easygoing. I can say, Carol, aren't we really about what, what we wanna do? We both, both individually do what we want to do uh, on the podcast, but that was something that occurred that cropped up and uh, yeah. That's, that's did, you, did, did, did you consider it, because it is a change. I mean, it's a big change in the whole <laughs> proposal, I suppose. I don't know. I, I think it is. And I noticed there's been three or four guys ever since. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. So that's, Especially unlikely to, unlikely to stop. <laughs> no, no, it won't stop. Uh, as long as we can get keep getting men, that's all. Oh, I don't um, think that would be a problem. Do you find them, easy, <laughs> do you find them easier or harder to interview? Um, no, men are really easy to interview. Love talking as well. They, I found men. Re I've, I've interviewed. I've interviewed Donal, my friend in Germany. He's uh, he's a trained actor and he works as a teacher trainer with businessmen and women. And yeah, I expected our conversation. We had great fun, but I expected the answers to be really long. But they were short and sweet. And it, it was good. It was mm -hmm. fun. And then I interviewed Christian De La Huerta in Miami and he was he was lovely. He was lovely. And he had written a book um, 
on power and personal power. And I was just doing this uh, meditation group and a month about personal power. So that worked really well that we hooked up together on the podcast at the same time because we had the similar interests. And then Jill, you interviewed um Rourke. Rourke was the first, and Rourke's a friend Rourke. of both of us. Yeah. Yeah. And uh who else? It was James, who was a fellow student on the podcast course. Uh, Eric, recently, who's a friend from as long as I've known you, Jim, mm. uh, going way back to the 80s. Um, was Rab. Rab, my next door neighbor. Yeah. And there was uh, someone else. And Anthony Callan. Anthony Callan. And yeah. Mm. And uh, and for me, I, I find it for me, it was not difficult, but very different at first, um, because I realized that I know women, even if I don't know the woman, I know women, I know the inside of our heads, right, more or less. And uh, but I, I don't even though I mean, in various different relationships I've had with different boyfriends, um, I still didn't know the inside of a man's head in, in the way that I needed to interview them. And I just find it uh, sometimes the question, they answered things differently. They, they, they saw things differently uh, to us. Um, they almost, well, I can't say this entirely, but it almost like they quite, at least the ones I interviewed, um, seem to really enjoy getting to midlife. None, none of them so far that I've interviewed had any problem. It wasn't the same kind of problem getting to midlife, whereas for me as a woman, it was like, oh gosh, I'm getting older. I'm losing my whatever, my appeal. Um, am I attractive or whatever? But none, none of the men I interviewed, mind you, all of the men I've interviewed are, are all quite happy. Well, bar, bar one isn't married, but the, most of them are quite happily married. And uh, so that, that was really different. And they respond emotionally very differently to certain things, you know, in their lives. And like, for example, Rourke was my first man to interview. And he... I find it really interesting that he compartmentalized everything in his life. It's not that he didn't deal with different aspects of his life, but he had that ability just to go that, okay, can't deal with that now. That's aside for the time being. Whereas so, me, so, me as a woman. Actually, so, yes. so, so what does that mean? I wondered, are you getting that the, the, the men can actually if compartmentalize is that the same as locking away certain emotions at certain times that, 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 and that would come up in an interview? Um, well, that was a surprise when, when I was interviewing Rourke and I, a mm. surprise and a fascination. I was so fascinated. I almost actually took some tips from my own life from that. And I thought, because I, I'll, if I have an emotional experience going on that's difficult, say, um, it will flip and well uh, encompass my mind mm -hmm. unless I'm actually working, doing my daily job. But then the minute I stop my job, it, it just encompasses. It's always running fully in the background. Whereas I was really fascinated when work said he can put it aside, but then he'll deal with it later. It's not that he doesn't deal with it. And I thought, oh, my God, 
how how much more energy efficient is that you know? <laughs> See, maybe, maybe we've discovered that men are more energy efficient don't know about that actually i don't know if all the guys are telling you everything they're thinking of course I don't uh, wonder, are, they, are they as honest well you know any. better oh, you, oh, yeah, well, I'm a sample you tell of us you tell us <laughs> oh well i think i think I think it might, I don't know. I think it would be quite hard to get a, a, a male to be entirely honest about that sort of thing, getting older, what it means. I think it, it may occasionally uh, reflect, be reflected in things like more professional and career and that sort of thing, more competitive mm -hmm. instincts, uh, possibly, uh, rather than um, are they still attractive or whatever. But my, mind you, I wouldn't underplay that. Um, <laughs> the guys might underplay it on air. Carol, do you think it's, uh, t tell me about you and, and with interviewing the, the men compared to the women, did, did you think it took the show in a totally different direction? Um, yeah, it broadened out a good bit. I think, I think we'd had to because, I don't know, we had asked a lot of people and a lot of people initially said, yeah, I'd love to do that. And then just couldn't commit to a date. So uh, I see that's an, another factor that's, you know, that we had to factor in because, yeah, we're, we're on a, an international pod match website now so we can get people easier around the world. But just, you know, people that we knew locally or nationally or even internationally, it's sometimes, you know, I suppose people are afraid to bear their soul on a podcast. So they might be amazing people and we know their story, but there's mm. a bit of hesitancy. So broadening it out to introduce Embrace Men and it's great. Yeah, look, men are important and we have male listeners. So, you know, it's nice. To expect you will. You will. This is the thing. So tell me, Jill was saying one of the things with interviewing one person was she started to find it was a different interview. Have you have things happened that 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 you found were a different challenge well there was there was one one friend of mine donald who i interviewed and he was very funny i mean you know just about the hormones uh, i said you know have you noticed anything different and he said well i was oh, i always had too much testosterone <laughs> I just burst out laughing. So, you know, that's something. Or, you know, one other guy and he was talking about, I love sex. And I was like, really? <laughs> he didn't say it in the interview, but I, I don't think he said it before. Oh, I thought I like, yeah, yeah, yeah. missed that interview. Oh. <laughs> it's like, what? I don't think we'll talk about that. Well, maybe. Whereas the women are like, don't talk about that. You know, still a bit mm. about certain topics. All right. So, yeah, so I just think men, uh, men will actually will be open to at least answering a question. Men. Hmm. Yeah. More open to answering a question, do you think? Well, probing. What you were saying, you know, that there might be that there's a there's an underside to the middle age for men that's not that pleasant. So, okay, the physical stuff women find unpleasant and. Mm. But there's definitely men who find things unpleasant and there's always been men and you know buying the new Porsche as a midlife crisis or getting the second wife but you know we've heard women who've who've left their husbands and got a second partner and you know that's that's never really talked about but for men there's another issue which I would love to explore with some people if they had the courage and that is in the boardroom you know that the you get to a certain age and you might be 
firing on all cylinders, just really the top of your game and enjoying it. And then you have these young guys coming up or women uh, behind you and they're like biting at the top. Please mm. let me in there. I want to be in charge. And, and that's quite debilitating and it's a really big challenge for men. But yeah, hopefully someday we'll get somebody in to talk about that. But, you know, that's that's something that would be very interesting. Yes, it is. It's very interesting. Uh, I imagine it's um, everywhere in a universal issue. And yeah. I mean, as, uh, I'm, fin- as a, I'm a business financial journalist, um, yeah. so I have been in lots of boardrooms of all types. And um, the one thing I imagine is that the, the, the whole thing, the people are getting younger, that that is the people who are having a go are getting younger, the people are working longer. But the, mm-hmm. the, the, we were doing an exercise just looking at um, Australian um, tycoons. And Australian tycoons are much younger than they used to be. They get to the top uh, and make huge fortunes, much, much younger than ever before uh, with the nature of the economy now, where it's service-based and it's internet-enabled and that sort of thing. So one of the things, uh, looking at, at the show now, as you're coming up to a year, just past a year, actually, and it now is a show that interviews men and women. And it, it, it has conversations between friends, but it also has conversations with people who just seem to be interesting, right? So you say, that person sounds interesting, let's bring them on. So where is it going? It's not a show really about menopause anymore, is it? It's not not really, is it, Carol? Um, not, I mean, more about midlife. It's more about, yeah. Yeah, nice. it's growing into yeah. midlife because it's an interesting time. It is an interesting time in life. I mean, I do miss my youth sometimes, but, you know, you just, you know, life can just keep getting better, even with all the challenges in midlife. So, yeah, midlife is just a very interesting space to be discussing and having topics and talking about this. It's kind of wide open, isn't it, Carol? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, so it is. It's probably going a little wide, but I'm enjoying that. I, I, um, I mean, you know, this midlife is colourful. It's got all types of people, and you know, it's um, yeah, life is interesting in midlife, and I think it's not documented much in the media. It's not documented much in in film. It's not documented mm-hmm. much in probably books, yes. but not too much. And you know, yes, yeah. it's yeah, yeah, because it hasn't got the glamour of. Of yeah. younger uh, or a sense of potential or unexplained, unexplored stories younger people have. So, Carol, you thought you were talking about one thing you'd like to have on is someone who you're unlikely to find, by the way, who's under threat or who feels they're under threat in their position. It doesn't have to be a boardroom. could be anything. could be a teacher in a school. could be uh, anyone anywhere who just feels that because they're 58 or 59, though they don't feel like it's over or they yes. actually have lots of things in mind but people continually talk to them about oh are you thinking i be retiring soon or whatever and maybe yes. it infuriates them so you get someone like that that's a, 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 that's a sort of um a, a type of person that you'd like to talk to and bring in jill have you sort of anyone uh, types of people you'd like to bring in and talk to if you could click your fingers and they'd be at the other side of the <laughs> screen. Um, recently, 
I have interviewed two people, two women, uh, but it doesn't matter whether they're women or men. Um, uh, 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 one of them uh, I'll be posting in the next month or so. She helps specifically helps women start up business in midlife. She helps them with their finance and that because she did the same herself. So I, I find that interesting. Things that people do in midlife where they change their career or they change something or people who actually offer a service or a treatment of some kind specifically for that time in life. Another lady, I just put her interview was just up last weekend, um, Aoife Niaki. And uh, she was a specialist, she's a physiotherapist who specializes in um, pelvic floor dysfunction, which is something that really, really happens to people a lot. So things like that, you know, where there's maybe a service that, or, or um, people who help people make changes in midlife as well. That's just by dint of interviewing them, I, I you know, seeing their their profiles and what they do. I thought, oh God, actually that would be interesting. You know, I happen upon things and I go, oh, that would be interesting then say to Carol. So that along that lines, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had anyone on twice where you went back to them and tried to develop what came up the first time? I I did. I um Blossom Bamboo had her on a second time because she's a sex therapist. And I wanted to, you know, touch on things that are a little bit more taboo. Um like that. The second time. Did you find the second time as an interview for you? was better that you that it went deeper and you found out more it did go deeper um it did go deeper because the first time i interviewed uh, blossom she was on the podcast course with me i was a little bit more nervous she was maybe my fourth or fifth person and mm. this second time but i had actually decided i want her back on to talk about what she does she works with uh, tantric um therapy so I uh, yeah no I find that good, and um, and she she could, was very she had no she's a no holds barred person as well, you know she's quite uh, vivacious yeah. and you know very very upfront. So I thought oh yeah that would be good. <laughs> return to someone I I I find yeah you return to someone, um, they are better because they're more relaxed. Mm. they've thought about the things they should have said to you the first time they were on that's right you've thought about the mm. things you should have asked them the first time they were on and it can really i mean so you can really develop well, i wanted we haven't got much time left i want to i'm talking like a radio person now you see all the all the old cliches of a radio show but we said we'd keep it in a time frame there's a variety of reasons for this listeners including, including the time difference between melbourne and ireland but how, I want to ask you guys about other podcasts that you listen to. Uh, what or read or inspires you broadly, not even beyond podcasts? Um, Jill, you're still there. Do you want to tell us what podcasts you listen to? Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I listen to. But when it comes to, I'm very interested in a lot of things to do with health. And I mean health on, on a very deep level and on every level, emotional, mental, uh, 
physical and spiritual. Um, so I, I'm trying to think of ones. Uh, I go through batches of listening to podcasts, um, but there was a while I really, really enjoyed listening to Joe Rogan, believe it or not, who's usually typically a man's uh, podcast. And he was actually the first person I listened to um, because he was interviewing Jordan Peterson at the time. And one of my male friends was very interested in him. And I, I, that's how I discovered Joe Rogan. I was wanted to listen to more about him. Very high intellect and all of that. But then Joe Rogan had a lot of, of um, athletes on as well because he was an athlete himself. And uh, I find that, that that very fascinating to find out how they, uh, it's particularly from the male perspective, their drive and how they keep themselves healthy and all of that. And it's incredible yeah. what they, they talk about. I haven't listened to him much recently. I was listening to another lady recently, um, uh, Dr. Christina Ram is her name, and her husband, Clayton Thomas, and they have developed these detox products. And so I've been listening to that and she's a scientist. Uh, yeah. uh, and so she talks about everything at the cellular level and how natural crystals broken down in a certain way will actually help the cells in the body. So that's what I mean by a deep, deep, deep level of healing. So I can't think, I don't even remember the name of her. I just Google or search mm. for her name actually and find so what her. the names again? Uh, the, the, uh, Dr. Christina. Obviously the podcaster. And then yeah. Oh, the, Dr. The, Christina Ram. But they, Ram. yeah, but she doesn't really have a podcast. I'm just listening to her being interviewed. You know, right. um, gosh, I can't think. Maybe. Uh, Did they write any of the people you like? Do they have books that people could read? Or I think, Christina Ram has a book which I was just thinking about buying. I think it's called Cure the Cause. Mm. Um, I, but I've literally only been introduced to her in the last month. Um, so I, I listened to something similar about uh, health and well being and mind, body, spirit. So it's and Spirit, Purpose, and Energy by JJ Flazames. She's Californian. So I like American podcasts. And mm. Uh, I listen to her quite a bit because she gets a lot of authors on and again a lot of different therapies on um, and then I listen to Sounds True and I listen to whatever topic I, if I feel like I want to listen to something about a topic I'll just do it in the podcast search, sounds, pick sounds out true. something yeah Sounds True is a, is a podcast uh, and, uh, and what was the first one Sounds True oh it's called Spirit Purpose and Energy by JJ Flizzard Purpose and Energy right yeah and there's yeah. another lady I just remembered, and she actually usually does online uh, conferences more. And uh, but her name is Dr. Eva, E V A Detko, D E T K O. I think she does really amazing work, and she's very uh, uh, precise and very precise in her delivery of what she teaches. She does a lot of, I think I sent it on to you today, Carol, another one. She's doing three master classes, um, uh, psychoenergetic healing. Is that, is that what it's, I think that's what, what she calls some of her work that she does. Um, but she's very clear, Dr. Ava Detko. Right. 
Okay. Well, I hope everybody was writing them down <laughs> because I suppose you one of the things that your 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 podcast does is it occupies a place, uh, and it, and it's you know you're you're in a sort of uh, you're, you're in this, you're surrounded by other podcasts and books and various people. And one of the things I was saying at the start is that one of the three really fresh about the show is that it just talks to people one on one, and it doesn't seem to draw in from other influences but I, I knew it must have but you're careful it's all about you guys and who you're talking to rather than subjects or issues or themes uh, that are common at the moment uh, carl you must say because in you working in the area as well you must come up upon them uh, all the time uh, and, and does the podcast Reflect that, the wider world that you're in, you know, that when you're working with the care and that, I presume when you learned all that, um, is the show very much on message there, is it, or is it very distinct from, from the sort of school of thought around it? Oh, no, it's very much on message, yeah. There's a, there's a, for me, I'm very interested in um, empowerment and people being authentic. What, what do you mean by empowerment? I, I mean, I have a kind of a, a schoolboy understanding of it. What do you mean by it? Empowerment for me is that um, when people are, you know, feeling confident and feeling like they might have come from a place where they were quite passive and quite, you know, not very secure about things and into a place of feeling really confident and feeling great, even if no one else likes what they do, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a place of where people are able to make decisions for themselves and their lives. So it's, yeah, it's a positive thing. Yeah. So there is a positive theme going through our work. I think, I think you mentioned that earlier, but it's, yeah. we're both into healing. We're both into, um, yeah. Seeing the beauty in people, ordinary people and bringing that story out. And so when you say empowerment, it's not about people getting positions of power. No. Or attaining a, a formal power, it's not necessarily. Although it might, achievement. yeah, okay. It's an internal thing, yeah. Mm. So a lot of people, you know, are working in jobs they never liked or never felt good in, and they they can get quite depressed in you know different life situations. It could be relationships. It could be, um, you know, it could be life in general where they've never made decisions for themselves so it's more of an internal personal power it's not about taking over the world although yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, tell me jill i'm i'm nearly finished i think we're almost out with the show with you, you do you think it does that does it empower people is that one of the sort of ultimate objectives really to empower people and make them find their best selves as such yeah i i hadn't thought of it Exactly. It was Carol that brought the word empowerment into in, in our early discussions and chats. And I thought, oh, yeah. And like you, I was actually thinking, what does that mean? And uh, and I, I realized that it really does. It does by giving information. And I'm very much an information person. I love connecting people 
to people. And it's something looking back over the years that I've kind of naturally done. It's it's not something I've tried to do. It's just something I kind of just do. And so what I, I love about uh, the podcast for me, it's like I'm connecting people with other people I, that they're not feeling so alone in maybe, you know, you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, God, I'm going through X, Y, and Z. And then you just hear someone talking about it. So for me, it's like uh, about just being feeling you're connected and that you're not alone in the world with your thoughts or your feelings or your experiences. Well, that's terrific. Well, I think we might leave it just there on the hour, just like an old fashioned radio show. Sorry to be so uh, technical and disciplinarian about it, but I did say we might do an hour. I think it was only fair uh, for the listeners and for everybody else and our stretch time difference because Jill and Carol have to go to bed to get up tomorrow. So we'll leave it there. Thanks everybody. Thank you, uh, Jim. So, so appreciative of you taking the time to talk to us because I know you're extremely busy, but thank you so much. Thanks, Carol. Thanks, Jill. Thank you, James. It was a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much.